Well, as Brenda said, happy Mother's Day. If you are a mum, and congratulations. You've made it to another year. God has been gracious to you once again, uh, which is good. And I'd be grateful if we'd all please turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 8. If you've got a Bible, then great, turn there. If you haven't, then just listen in to what we're going to talk about. The day we are celebrating today, Mother's Day, finds its origins in Britain in the early 1600s, as most things find their origin in Britain at some point in time. It's celebrated on the fourth Sunday after Lent, and it was a day that was given aside to honouring mums. And so children and servants and apprenticeships and employees and so forth were all encouraged to go home on that day of the year to spend time with their mum, and they would give them gifts, they'd give them flowers, they'd often give them something called a simnel, which is a small pastry with fruit filled in it, and that would be the gift to, to mum. Now, they want, now mothers want chocolates, but back then they wanted a fruit filled pastry. And for years, that's exactly what happened all over the globe. So as Britain expanded and started to be 46 different countries, and they said that the sun never set on the British Empire, for years, Mother's Day then was celebrated in that fashion. And then the World Wars happened. World War I nearly finished Britain off, and World War II really finished Britain off. And so nobody really wanted to do Mother's Day anymore because no one could afford it, and so many men obviously lost their lives in the war too. And so the Americans stepped in, and gave Mother's Day the traditional Hollywood razzmatazz. And it really became then the phenomenon that is this day. So around the globe, millions of cards are sold, millions of presents are sold. And along with everything that is done, the, the same tradition has been get, passed on by the Americans and the British, that this is a day that we honour our mothers. And so it is what it is today. And so I want to use today then to honour mums as well. You see, way before the Brits came on the scene, God came on the scene. And as number five of the Ten Commandments that he gave to Moses, he says, Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving to you. Honor them. Honor your mother. Honor your father. And so today then, I want to apply this text by devoting this entire message to those of you who are here today who are mothers. To encourage you, to strengthen you by God's grace, to equip you in the high and holy calling on your lives as mums. And so if you're not a mum here at Sovereign Grace, neither am I, be encouraged, but still listen in because we're a family as a local church and that's part of what we do. And so if we're going to support our mums and the mothers in our community, then we need to know what God's calling them to. And I think we need to know how to encourage them. So listen in. But if you are a mum, be aware that I am going to be addressing you directly. And that addressing, I think, is going to come from the Lord, from Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through to the end of verse 25. This is what happens. One day, he got into a boat with his disciples. And he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out, and as they sailed, he fell asleep. And the windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in danger. And they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was calm. He said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid. And they marveled, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even winds and water? And they obey him. Let's pray. 
Well, Father, I thank you that in our tradition we do have a Mother's Day. Because although we do need to honor our mothers each and every day, this does give us a special moment to celebrate motherhood and equip motherhood and strengthen and encourage motherhood. And Lord, did you have your way amongst us then today? Lord, did each and every mother here or soon-to-be mother be encouraged by your word? And would your grace flood their souls afresh as they realize these simple truths in Luke chapter 8? In Jesus' name. Amen. Some of you are probably wondering by now, already, what on earth has Luke chapter 8 got to do with being a mum? What is this scene where a group of dudes get in a boat with Jesus and then they start to have all these waves come on and the water started to come in and they feel like they're going to drown so they wake Jesus up? What has that really got to do with being a mum and how can you as a mother be encouraged by this text? Well, I think it's when you pause on this text for, text for, for a longer period of time that you realize I think it relates to motherhood more than you think. And I think this whole scene relates to motherhood more than you first consider. See, I've had the privilege now of serving alongside a beautiful mother, Emma, for the last 11 years. Josh was born in May 2002, and so ever since then, she's been a mother. And then Amy came along. And then Lydia came along, just like twins. And so I've seen her, as a mother, care for these three children and see then all what she's gone through. I also have a younger sister and observed her caring for three small children. I also have a sister-in-law caring for two small boys. And having been a pastor for the last 13 years, I've had the opportunity and privilege of seeing tens and tens and tens of mums as they go about the task of mothering. And here would be my observation. My observation would be first and foremost that there are clearly many great joys with being a mum. There are many wonderful joys and every mother in the room, particularly this one, loves it when she gets the 134th card off Lydia all wrapped up nicely. I mean, that's fun. And you get, oh, what is this? Oh, it's a cool box. And oh, what is this? It's an identical cool box like the first one. You've chosen so well, children. Every mother likes receiving these gifts from children. And there are times, without any doubt, that, that motherhood seems to be wonderfully amazing. When they smile at you, when they tell you that they love you, when you've walked with them through something and you've seen the grace of God in their lives, quite clearly it is a wonderful joy to be a mother. And yet I've also observed over many years that there are quite clearly many great storms that come with being a mother. You get in the boat of motherhood, and storms then start to come your way. Many moments where you can feel tossed and turned by the waves that are coming on you. Waves of exhaustion, waves of futility, where you think, I cannot change another nappy ever again. Waves of tiredness, waves of loneliness, as you realize my friendships have started to change. I'm no longer with a group of people from work. I can't just call somebody up and they go and hang in Gloria Jean's with them anymore because I've got these children that, that I take around with me all the time. Waves of loneliness then, waves of spiritual dryness, waves often then I think of guilt. As very rarely do you encounter a mum that says, I'm such an excellent mum. Usually they think they're failing and that they need to grow in hundreds of things. And so waves of guilt begin to come on. And every once in a while then I think, 
I've observed that mums every now and again think that they're going to drown. Just like these guys do in this text. I mean, here's a, for instance, an account that was written by a lady 40 years ago. But see if you can recognize yourself as mums in her story. She's the mother of three small children. She writes as follows. The day Billy took his first steps, our whole life changed. Now he climbs stairs and teeters at the top with one foot poised in midair. Now when his older brother and sister play Candyland, he can stand in the middle of the game board throwing cards in the air. He pulls ingredients off shelves. He makes Cheerio Mountains and pours olive oil on his head. He wakes up shouting at 5.30 a.m., ready to commence his endless investigation of our decimated house. He goes to bed at 8.30 p.m. Steve and I then follow soon after. We drop into bed at night with heavy sighs. Three children is quite a lot, says Steve. (laughs) I agree, Steve. I'd always wanted three children and maybe more. Of course, I can't imagine life without any of them. It's just that right now, life around here is so grueling. I have to make advance arrangements just to step into the bathroom. I lie awake projecting into our future. In two years, Billy will be the age that Charlie is now, almost three. An age that seems so independent and thrillingly mature by comparison to now. Some days, I murmur to Steve, we will have a three-year-old, a five-year-old, and a nine-year-old. Someday they will be five, seven, and eleven, six, eight, and twelve. I spin the different combinations in my head like a gambler dreaming of the perfect hand. I called up a friend who has a child just a few months older than Billy. I dial twice because the first time my son pulls my glasses off. As we talk, he sings into the receiver, which is then wet because he licked it. (laughs) He grabs my coffee, points at the record player demanding music, and then gets himself tangled up in my extra-long telephone cord. How long does this stage last? I asked my friend. When does it get easier? Search me, she says. I'm still waiting too. Can you relate to that as a mother? Different ways, different degrees. There are challenges without any doubt that come with mother. As if true of every season of life, Being a mum, I think, comes with very specific and unique challenges and difficulties. Ways of exhaustion. Where you didn't realize your body could ever get this tired before now. Ways of loneliness. As your friendships begin to change because you can't spend time with them in the same way. Ways of futility. Where you wonder, is this even worthwhile? Is there any point? to doing all these mundane tasks? Is this what I was really made for? Waves of spiritual dryness as time starts to get squeezed when it comes to spending it with the Lord and waves of guilt as time and time again, mostly day after day, you feel like you're failing. Things that you're not doing, you should be. Things that you are doing, you know you shouldn't be. And so guilt comes your way. Well, it is my desire then believing that that's the way so often motherhood is, to encourage you today and strengthen you today and equip you today with one simple truth. And it's one truth that I want to say as loudly and passionately and as encouragingly that I possibly can because I think this is life-changing for a parent. I think it is life-changing for a mother. And it's simply this. Mothers, the Lord himself 
is in your boat. In the midst of all the storms that you go through as a mum, in the midst of all the things that you struggle through day after day and week after week and month after month, the reality of Scripture is that the Lord himself, the maker of heaven and earth, is in your boat with you. You see, you may have thought that you had your child because they were planned. Or maybe they were unplanned. And you thought, oh, it's a bit of a surprise. Well, whether they were planned or unplanned, the reality is all children are a gift from the Lord. And so they're all planned ultimately by the Lord. Psalm 127 verse 3 says, Children are a gift from God. And so right off the bat, I want you to understand, as mothers, whether you planned your children or didn't plan your children, God got you into the boat. He was the initiator. He was the giver. He was the giver of life. He got you positioned in that boat. He then started to help you set sail towards the storms of motherhood. And the reality is, he's still in your boat. He's still with you each and every single day of your life. And I trust as we go through this that this truth will be encouraging to you and comforting to you and certainly strengthening to you and the task that you all do, and you all do so wonderfully well. So three points this morning. They're not complicated. They all come under the banner of the Lord himself is in your boat, which is the title of today's message. And here's the first point then. The Lord is ever-present to uphold you. Do you get that? Do you believe that? To do it different. The Lord is ever-present to uphold you. That's what we see here. Verse 22 One day he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they set out. Notice, it was the Lord's initiative. He gets into the boat. Okay, guys, let's set out. He is the one calling them to account. He is the one calling them out, ultimately, to the storm. Well, the storm then occurs. And as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake and they were filling with water and were in danger. Now, don't forget, these guys, these guys are not girly boys, okay? These guys are fishermen. They, they are men that are well, well aware of what it would be like to be nearly drowning. But fishermen don't cry out too quickly because it's okay. They can cope with big waves. So clearly these were mothers of waves, right? These things were really bad because even the fishermen thought, we are going to die. So they are panicking. They are freaking out, and they're really freaked out that while they go through all this, Jesus is asleep, which is, really isn't helpful when he's the maker of heaven and earth. And so they, they wake him up. They went to him, verse 24, and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and they ceased, and there was calm. Ladies, I want you not to only notice that this was the Lord's initiative to set them sail towards the storm. I want you to notice and behold the greatness of God, the greatness of the one who is in the boat. Because this is an incredible scene. I mean, imagine it. Imagine it that you really do head down to D.Y. Beach and you head out into the sea and it is full-on storming. You are terrified. And then you wake up Jesus, and in a moment he looks out and says, Be quiet. Blue skies come. Storm stops. That's amazing. And that's the one who is in their boat. That's the one who's in your boat. 
He's the maker of heaven and earth. Behold the greatness of God and realize that these things that we see right here are just the outer fringes of his works. The Lord is the one who breathed forth the sun. He's the one who effectively spat out the sun so that it would give us light and so that it would be positioned wonderfully on the axis of all things so that we don't burn by day and we don't freeze by night. He broke it. He brought it forth. He's the one that spins the galaxies. There are 100 billion stars in our galaxy. There are over 100 billion galaxies. And Isaiah chapter 40 says it was the Lord who created them and names them and sustains them so that not one is missing. That's incredible. He's the one that can mark off the heavens with a span of his hand. From the little finger to the thumb. He can mark off the heavens. Something that we can't do. He's the one who can measure all the waters of the earth. The Pacific, the Atlantic and beyond. In the hollow of his hand. He's the one who can take all the mountains. and, And put them in a basket. He's the one who can take all the dust of the earth. And weigh them on scales. Do you see how incredible he is? How large he is? How above beyond us he is in every way? The Lord is the one who knitted you together. In your mother's womb. Gave you a heart. Gave you a liver. Gave you some kidneys. Gave you lungs so you could breathe. Gave you bones so you'd have a frame. Gave you a whole digestive system so you can actually eat and stay alive longer than about four or five hours. He gave you all that you would need to be able to see and smell and hear and taste. That's incredible. And the Lord did all those things. He is the one then who steps into our world and in a moment and can say to the tides, this far and no further. He's the one who says to the winds, blow here and not here. He's the one who says to the snow, drop here but not here. He's the one that controls the rains and says, fall here but not here. And he is the one that says to the storms, be quiet. And they truly respond to him. The Lord's incredible. The Lord is above and beyond every one of us in the room in infinite and majestic and glorious ways. He is massive and so far above and beyond us in his holiness. And he's in your boat. As you go alone, day by day, in your many tasks, the creator of all is in your boat with you. Do you realize that? Do you realize The power of the one who is with you. The Lord is in your boat. The Lord is in your boat to uphold you. To give you grace where you need grace. To strengthen you where you need strengthening. To give you joy where you need joy. To give you help where you need help. And the Lord is there to uphold you in a way whereby he is ever present. Do you ever feel alone as a mum? Biblically defined, you're never alone. Because someone else is in your boat. The creator of heaven and earth. He's always with you. Ever present to uphold you. I mean just, just listen. Mothers listen. And meditate on these scriptures. Because these are true. Hebrews 13 verse 5. I will never leave you. Nor forsake you. Never. I'll never leave you. i never forsake you. Matthew 28 verse 20. Jesus, having given the great commission, says, And behold, I will be with you always to the end of the age. You're never alone. 
He's always in your boat. He's always with you, always there to uphold you. Psalm 46 verse 1 then, which I think it would be wise for every mother to memorize, says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Isn't that wonderful? God is a refuge and strength, and he is a very present help in trouble. Not, not just a help in trouble. Oh, well, that would be handy. A very present help in trouble. Very present because he's in your boat. He's with you all the time and will never leave you. And so mothers, I want to encourage you. Take, take courage in these truths. I realize you're never alone, but he's with you to cry out to. He's someone who you can ask of all things and he will give grace to sustain where need be and he will give grace for change where need be. He's the creator of all. He can change things in an absolute moment for you. Sometimes he does and it's an amazing moment. Other times he doesn't, but he gives you a grace to sustain and a peace that surpasses all understanding even in the midst of the waves continuing to come. Because ultimately he's the God of the storm too. He's allowing it for your good and his glory. The Lord is ever present to uphold you. Do you think the disciples had to wake the Savior for them to get to the other side? Not at all. They were going to make it anyway because he was going to uphold them throughout. The Lord is ever present to uphold you. Number two, the Lord is ever present to strengthen you. After Jesus rebukes the storm in verse 25, he then turns to the disciples and asks them one specific question. He says, which is quite, quite amazing really, he said to them, where is your faith? Now, we can all read that as if we're in Sunday school again and go, yeah, it's funny that, isn't it? But, but picture the scene. You are genuinely thinking you're in D.Y. Beach and you generally think you're going to die. There are waves coming in. You think you are going to drown. You think you're about to breathe your last. And your observation would be your hero is having a nap time at a very unhelpful moment because we're about to die. And so they wake him up and indeed he does save the day. He, he stills the storm. And you think, you know, I would have expected like a high five from Jesus in that moment. Also, thanks, I nodded off. Helpful to be alive. That would have been an appreciated response. But instead, he looks at them and says, where is your faith? Uh, Jesus, you nodded off. We were going to die. I was doing you a favor. No. Where is your faith? It can seem, I think, on the face of it, a little harsh. But it's when you take a step back, and it's so important we do this together, because I think it can be so wonderfully changing, not only helping with motherhood, but helping us understand why God allows storms in all of our lives at different points. It's when you take a step back from this text that I think you realize that what the Lord is doing is asking them a question on the back of a divine setup. This whole thing is a divine setup for these disciples. A divine setup to create a moment, not where the Lord can judge them or rub their noses in their lack of faith, but to create a moment whereby he can ask a question that should, by God's grace, strengthen and equip and care for them in their faith. He is providing a moment whereby their faith can be strengthened, namely a storm. So check it out. 
Look at it again with that in mind. One day he got into a boat with his disciples. It is his initiative. He is the one knowing full well that there are going to be storms ahead that gets these boys into the boat. Well, off they go. The Savior knows full well a storm is coming. So he has a bit of nap time. He has a good rest. And the disciples are freaking out. The Savior knew full well that that was going to happen. He knew full well that there were going to be waves starting to buffet the boat and that these guys would be freaking out. And he allows it all to happen. And so he wakes up and he stills the storm and then he says to them, where is your faith? He's not cross with them. He's discipling them. Because what he wants them to see is, guys, you can trust me. I'm in your boat. I've allowed this storm for you so that your faith will be strengthened in the midst of the storm. Do you see that? He's not cross with them. He's equipping them. And so it is, I think, with mums. Get pregnant. The Lord gets you into the boat. Out to sea you go. Many joys, but definitely some storms. And the waves start coming. Waves of loneliness, waves of futility, waves of spiritual dryness, waves of guilt as you realize, I'm just such a rubbish mum. There's a whole list of things I'm doing that I shouldn't be doing and that I'm not doing that I should be doing. And all the waves started to come. And then, in all reality, what the Savior does is say, listen, where is your faith? We look at this storm as if to say, you know, where's God? Because I'm trying to busy trying to be a parent. I'm busy trying to parent my kids and disciple my kids. Lord, how could you allow this storm to come on my life? And he looks at you and says, you know what? Where is your faith? Why is he doing that? Because he wants to strengthen your faith. Isn't it incredible? We can spend so long parenting and discipling our kids and then feel like the Lord has left us in the midst of a storm. But biblically, as we parent and disciple our kids through storm, the Lord is parenting and discipling us. He's teaching us about himself. He's teaching us that you need not fear. He's teaching us that I hold you and I will never let you go. He's teaching us that you have nothing to fear and you can be still and know that I am God. You don't need to freak out. I'm aware of the waves. I'm on it. And I'm upholding you. And I will never let you go. Do you see? He's strengthening your faith. Kent Hughes says it this way. He says, this is a vital principle of spiritual life. Without difficulties, without trials, without stress and even failures, we would never grow to be what we should become. Storms are part of the process of spiritual growth. Isn't that helpful? Storms where we think, where's God gone? It's right there, parenting you and discipling you, allowing this to take place that your faith may be strengthened. And accordingly, then, they are a vital part of spiritual growth. Mums, never feel that as you're trying to be a mother to your child and trying to disciple your child that God has left you. And that's why the storm is occurring. The presence of the storm also comes with his presence. He's in your boat to help you. And I'd have to say in my life, I've discovered that to be true many times. So when we went through all the stuff with Josh and his illnesses, I had already by that point in my life studied many, many things about trusting God. 
I learned more through the experience of the storm of Josh's illnesses than I did through any book. Because I realized and experienced God can be trusted and he will never let us go and he will never leave us nor forsake us. That's what God does to you through your motherhood too. He's saying, you know what, this is great. Read your books. But here's a storm. And trust me. And you will find I am trustworthy. So mothers, I want to encourage you to seize the storms then of motherhood as God-given opportunities to exercise and strengthen your faith. That's why God's allowing them to take place. He will never give you more than you can handle. But he is allowing them to take place so that your faith may be strengthened. So in the midst of the storm, stand firm then. Stand firm on the promises of God. You know when you're chatting to your child about Daniel in the lion's den and the God who stills the storm and the God who feeds the 5,000? Well, stand on that truth and actually believe it for yourself. That just like I'm saying to you, son, that God can do all things, I'm going to stand on that truth for my own life too. He can do all things. And so I'm going to trust him. And illustrate that to your children for the glory of the Lord. Refuse to give into fear and excessive anxiety and excessive unbelief. But stand firm on the promises of Scripture. So even though the waves do come, be aware that the Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. He will always uphold you. He will always be there with you. And he will never let you be tempted beyond which you can handle. Paul says that in 1 Corinthians 10. Just a beautiful verse. He says, God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape. That you may be able to endure it. He allows it. The storm. To strengthen your faith. So seize it as that. Be aware he's with you to uphold you. He's never going to leave you. And allow, allow those truths as you stand there in the midst of the storm to strengthen your faith. Something that reading can't do. But storms can. And here's the third thing. The Lord is ever present to justify you. He's not only ever present to uphold you. He's not only ever present to strengthen you in your faith. He's also ever present to justify you. I think we saw this in action a few weeks ago in John chapter 16, where we saw that the gospel truly is an incredible source of deep and irrevocable joy. And I'm so glad that as a local church we, we spent some time to poise on those truths because they're so important. When we grasp the gospel and we keep the main thing the main thing and we allow to, ourselves to live gospel-saturated lives, deep and irrevocable joy will be our theme as we're affected by his goodness and his greatness. And one of the points I made in the first message that we did on that was about legalism, this whole premise of and common temptation and tendency of self-atonement, of trying to smuggle in our own works into a salvation that is all of grace. Do you remember that? And we start to think that it's not just the cross, it's the cross plus my Bible reading, or the cross plus my prayer, or the cross plus my attendance, or the cross plus giving. You fill in the blank. But it's legalism. Instead of trusting in the Lord alone, that by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, it's by grace alone, in faith alone, in Christ alone, plus my stuff. That's legalism. Well, ladies, mothers, with that in mind, I, I really want you to grasp, listen, the Lord is ever-present in your boat to justify you. And I want to say that loudly and clearly to you because I think as mothers, there is a common tendency 
and temptation on your life to smuggle in the works of motherhood into a salvation that in actual fact is all of grace. And I've seen it many, many times. So you have this baby and you are utterly thrilled. And as a pastor, my wife and I are usually one of the first people there and we love meeting these children and How's it gone so far? It's amazing. That's such a gift of grace. We're just thrilled. And you think, we're thrilled for you. And then we leave the room going, give them a week. If we were just aware, it's, it's going to be a challenge more than you think. So the baby arrives and everybody thinks, this is utterly amazing. And we're rejoicing with them too. It is absolutely thrilling in, in every single way. And then you speak to them after about four days. How are they sleeping? You would not believe it. Through the night. They just sleep through the night. We've barely been up. And you're like, That's good. I'm so encouraged for you. About two weeks in, how are you doing? They never sleep anymore. I'm up all night. And, and slowly but surely, the kid isn't sleeping. And then, and then the, the kid sort of gets sick and different things go on. You think, oh my gosh, take him to the doctors. Take him to the doctors. Well, I, doc, I don't know what's happening with them, but it's awful. And I, oh, they've got a cold. Yeah, okay, okay, back home. And so you, the, all these things start to happen as a mom for these children. And then the kids just get older. So they start toddling about the place. And you think, I can't wait for them to walk. I'm so excited for them to walk. And then they walk and they start wrecking your home. And you think, why can they, why do they have to walk around the place? I don't want them to walk anymore. And then you think, I just cannot wait until they can speak to me. Oh, that would be such a joy to be able to commune with my kid. And, oh, please, Jesus, if there's any way. And then they speak. And after about 84 questions before you've even had breakfast, you think, please, Lord, quieten their mouths because I need a rest, man. This is just, this is just insane. And, and then you go through the years and you just go through all sorts of different challenges depending on the age of the different child. Here's what can often then happen to a parent. Some point along the way, usually starting after about a week, you start to feel a distinct temptation towards guilt and condemnation. Guilt that you're not as good a mum as you thought you'd be. Guilt that, in your opinion, an estimation of yourself, you suck at parenting. Awareness of all the things that you're not doing. Awareness then, at least from your perception, as you go to coffee morning and spend time with other ladies, that they are like Jesus mums. If only I could be like them. And then off you go home and feel guilty that you're not. I'll give you a clue. They all do that too. Just for the record. Everybody goes home and thinks that. Just no one likes to share it. But every mom struggles with this. Guilt and condemnation. And, speaking as a dad of now a nearly 11-year-old, and 9 and 7, doesn't go away, it just changes. All the discipleship opportunities that you realize you just missed. All the things that you realize, I vowed that I'd never get angry. And I just did. We haven't even had breakfast. I'm a rubbish mum. Guilt and condemnation comes on you within, I think, about a week. And here's then what happens. You don't realize it's happened. But legalism has come through your door as well. Because you start to think, God must be really disappointed with me. He's given me this gift of a child. A gift that I prayed for for a long time. And he's given me them. And I'm rubbish at being a mum. I get so many things wrong. 
I blow it all the time. He must be so disappointed with me. When you feel that, legalism is set in. Because I'll tell you what the Lord's assessment is of you. He passionately and particularly and purposefully loves you. He sings over you with all his delight. He utterly is head over heels, genuinely in love with you. Because his love towards you has nothing to do with your works of motherhood. It has nothing to do with that. He is passionate about you as a father. He loves you as a father. He sings over you as a father because of the works of his son. He knew full well what you were going to be like as a mum. And he's fine about that. And he wants to help you with that. And he wants to apply grace to that. But when it comes to your acceptance by him, when it comes to your forgiveness of sin before him, when it comes to your justification by him, that has nothing to do with your motherhood. It has to do with the work of Jesus Christ and the work of Jesus Christ alone. Do you see that? The temptation for mums to smuggle in your work of motherhood into the gift of salvation, I think, is profound. But it need not be so. And so when Satan tempts you, which I think he specifically does for mums, when he, te- when he tempts you to despair, of all the things you're not doing. You need to look in your boat and see him there. The one who made an end of all your sin. And you are so different to your husbands in this regard. See, I think ladies are incredibly conscientious. Men, on the whole, are not so. Ladies can multitask with 101 different things. Men can only think about one thing. And they do do that one thing really well for that moment. But it it really is just one thing. And so ladies feel a guilt. Whereas dads go, I think we're doing all right. Yeah, I don't think we're too bad at all. And and the ladies are really feeling this. You must not smuggle in your gift of motherhood and your works of motherhood into the salvation which is all of Christ. Don't be a legalist. But stand on the cross and the cross alone. And now that's why he loves me. That's why he accepts me. That is why he will never leave the boat. Because of the cross. Mums, in conclusion then, and I'm pulling it all together then as we finish, I just want to encourage you and comfort you and allow yourselves to be strengthened. Please understand this. The Lord himself is in your boat. You're never alone, but he is ever present to uphold you ever-present to strengthen you, ever-present to justify you, that doesn't mean that you won't face storms. You will. It's called motherhood. But he will never leave you. He's always in your boat. So take courage. Stand strong. Because he's in your boat.